What up? What up, everybody? You're probably like, whoa, where's Mitch? That's not Mitch. You're damn right. It's not Mitch. Spencer Israel here filling in for Mitch today. Mitch getting emergency root canal. I tried to get, I tried to get him uh, to do the show today anyway, uh, high on painkillers, but he, he said he said no. He said no. So, so. You're stuck with me. Uh, let's bring in the main man here. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not the reason for this show. The main man here, Chris Kachi, the reason for this show. Chris, good morning. How are good we doing today? Good morning, Spencer. I'm doing great. How about you? Thanks for filling in. Yeah, no problem, man. No problem. It's always easier to fill in for Mitch than it is to fill in for you because <laughs> you do most of the talking, and I, I just got to be the guy doing the stuff in the background, which is great. So uh, we got a good show today, Chris. Who's our guest? So we have a, a great guest today. We're going to be talking SPACs with an expert in the industry. So we have Will Bunker from Light Jump Capital. He's a guy who helps companies go public. So, you know, via traditional IPO and also the SPAC route. Um, yep. So we get to learn a little bit of the behind the scenes process, maybe of some of these companies, you know, choosing a SPAC to go public. That'll be around 10 or 15 minutes or so, give or take. But in the meantime... Let's uh, do some headlines, shall we? I think we should do some headlines. All right, yeah, so let's get to headlines today. Not a lot going on out there. We don't have any new deals announced today and only one small rumor out there. But we do have a couple former SPACs that reported earnings last night, so we'll try to get to some of those. We have Desktop Metal reported last night sales of 11.3 million for the first quarter that did come in higher than the street estimate of 9.4 million and they reconfirmed their full year guidance of 100 million that is ahead of street estimates again um and they talked a little bit about some of their new products right so they recently introduced uh forest which is uh printed wood parts they launched Flexera, which is dental applications that Mitch and I talked about yesterday on the show. Um, so they're expanding, you know, their their entries into new markets for the 3D printing. So desktop metal, it, it did fall last night, um, but to me, it still looks attractive long term with some of those catalysts coming. And we had Metro Mile ticker M I L E report earnings. So. First quarter sales of 17.3 million. They reaffirmed their full year guidance. They also announced a partnership with Hippo, which is also going public in a SPAC merger um, for consumer protection for home and auto. So Metro Mile, remember, is the pay per mile car insurance company. And as I've kind of predicted, you know, they need to expand maybe into some other insurance markets. So it looks like, you know, they're partnering with Hippo for further penetration of home and auto insurance. So keep an eye out on this one. And then we have Blade, B-L-D-E. So this is an electrical, electric vertical takeoff and landing company. So revenue was up 44% in the second quarter. They talked about, you know, that pent up demand for leisure travel that they think can drive growth for Blade Airport, which is going to relaunch on June 1st. So at New York City Airport, starting with JFK, they're going to offer their services for $195 a seat or $95 a seat if you have an annual pass. They also have a partnership with Kayak that's going to expand their customer acquisition pipeline. Kayak, one of the largest uh, travel booking sites out there. So keep an eye out on Blade. They, it looks like they're going to be early to the, you know, the EVTOL market that has had several entrants go public via SPAC. 
Blade's actually going to start those devices, you know, with this uh, June launch. So keep an eye out on that. Then we have XL. So XL Fleet, um, they announced earnings and also reported the purchase of World Energy Efficiency Services for $16 million. This is a bolt-on acquisition in the charging infrastructure market that they've started to expand into a little bit. Um, so this was a profitable business with $18 million of revenue last year. So, you know, buying this company for $16 million uh, that's got profits and $18 million in revenue, um, you know, I, I think was a decent headline. And, and then the first quarter uh, sales were only $700,000, missing a street estimate of $970,000. They did say that they have seen modest improvement in demand visibility for the second half of 2021. Keep an eye out on XL today. You know, this is one that's been hammered down since completing that SPAC merger and also attacked by several short reports um, out there. Then we have ZEV. So recently completed their merger, Lightning E-Motors um, reported $4.6 million of revenue in the first quarter from sales of 31 commercial electric vehicles. Um, so they see full year revenue of 50 to $60 million and 500 units um, for vehicles and powertrain sales. Um, you know, so decent uh, guidance there from them. Um, their backlog at the end of the quarter was $169 million and a sales pipeline of $807 million, um, both going up. So keep an eye out on this one. Um, you know, with the strong guidance and then also that strong backlog, see if they can uh, convert some of those deals this year. Then we have a, a canoe, so G-O-E-V. So they had new details out yesterday um, about their new electric van that's going to start at $34,750. Uh, they're going to start taking $100 deposits for that, um, you know, so hoping to get some orders. And then also it was unveiled yesterday that Canoe is being investigated by the SEC. Um, you know, so not the headline you want to see along with the electric van rollout. Um, but this is a company that's faced several problems and some red flags, right? They lost several executives and now being investigated by the SEC. Um, you know, so to me, this one I, I would stay away from until we get more news out there from them. And uh, it is 13F filing season, so lots of notable, you know, hedge funds and investors with those Q1 purchases, um, several SPACs involved. So the, the big one I saw, uh, Michael Burry of um, the big short fame, you know, the big headline was that he bought lots of puts against Tesla. Along with that, he also took a stake in VACQ, which is bringing Rocket Lab public, a SpaceX rival. Um, so the question I had in an article yesterday, you know, was, is this investment a, a legit focus on Rocket Lab um, going public and being a large player in the space industry? Or is this more of a betting against uh, Elon Musk and SpaceX along with that Tesla put options? So, you know, interesting to see uh, how long he keeps that position. And then other notable stakes in those 13F filings that I found we had BFLY, FST, MP, WPF, and SPNV. So, you know, it's nice to see some of these hedge funds, you know, taking these stakes uh, in the first quarter of these SPACs and former SPACs. 
Then we did get several uh, announced uh, dates for mergers, which we'll get to in our calendar. But VGAC set a vote date of June 10th for 23andMe. And then uh, we have seen, you know, a, a lower amount of new SPACs filed with, you know, some of the new warrant classifications. But big news out there yesterday, Goldman Sachs filed for four new SPACs. Um, to me, this could mean that maybe GSAH is getting closer to a deal. Um, I do own shares of GSAH. Or it could just mean that Goldman, you know, sees the the potential here that, that SPACs may rise once again and they can get some new SPACs to market. So keep an eye out on those when they do finally price. And then TPGY falling today dropped on news that that deal for EV box might not get done. So their 8K filing said that they no longer expect to be in a position to close the business combination by June 2021, as previously disclosed, and that the business combination will uh, could ultimately not be completed on the terms that are currently set or completed at all. Um, so keep an eye out on this one. They do have a little bit of time to get this deal done and maybe revised um, with some new filings that EV Box needs to issue from their audit. Um, but otherwise, TPGY might have to walk away from this EV Box deal and start the process over, which could lead to you know some extensions on their vote deadline, and we could see shares uh, fall further. So um, keep an eye out on this one. We had two deals yesterday, SGAM for Redbox up 1% on the day and SCVX down 1% on the day. The only new rumor I'm seeing out there, we have COVA rumored to be bringing Indonesian travel startup ticket public at a $2 billion valuation. That rumor is from Bloomberg. And then as I said yesterday, we are starting to see the merger vote calendar fill in nicely. Um, we have ATAC voting today, IPOE voting on the 27th of May, STIC on the 28th of May, and then we have several SPACs um, in June. It looks like June is going to be a busy month for completing some of these mergers. And then we do have earnings later this week on the 20th from Genius uh, Sports and then Ride next week on the 24th on Monday. So a couple of uh, former SPACs there as well. Uh, so so what do you think, Spencer? Uh, you know, that was a lot of uh, news out there. I don't know where you want to start here. No. You know, I know you guys talked about TPGY on pre-market prep this morning a little bit. That one's interesting to me because it looks like maybe that deal doesn't get done at all or they have to uh, change the valuation. We did see one SPAC, I, I believe, last month changed the valuation terms. Is that something, you know, that, that catches your eye and you think we start to see from some of these announced deals? Yeah. I mean, I, I was actually wondering that myself because uh, I, 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 I can't remember. Um, I'm trying to think back and, and you would know better than I. But, uh, you know, this 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 whole thing is relatively new. I'm, I'm trying to think in the last year or so if we've seen uh, a company either A, uh, change the valuation. You, you're, you're saying it happened, or B, just say, "Oh, never mind on this altogether. Just never mind." And that's not quite what TPG is saying yet. They're saying we don't know if we're going to be able to close this deal by this time. They're not saying never mind. But um, I, is there a lot of precedent for this? I, I don't know if there is. You know, not recently. So from yeah. what I saw, there was a couple companies that did call off their mergers. One was. Uh, is it F45? It's like a, I think, indoor gym. 
um, company. They were supposed to go SPAC merger. They called that off. Um, and then last month, there was one that changed the valuation. But yeah. to me, this is interesting. And, you know, I think someone pointed out best on Twitter, it, it looks like their financial reports are, are got audited and they need to restate them. So if you're the if you're the SPAC bringing EV box public and you were, you know, basing it on them having a hundred million dollars of revenue and doing a multiple of 10, you yeah. know, for a billion dollars. And now all of a sudden their revenue is only 80 million. Do you come back to the table and say, hey, we're doing 10 times, you know, 80, so 800 million. Or do you say, hey, we're going to cut this even more or right. we're going to walk, you know, where's where's the line to to get this done? But also TPGY, if they don't get this deal done, they face a, a time crunch to, you know, get to another deal. And with shares trading at 12, you know, you really don't want to take too much time and start to see your shares fall back down to 10. So, yep. you know, interesting play here for sure. Yep. And this is like the other side of that coin is, uh, you know, when things are going well, you can have two things going for you. You have a, a good investment team that's that's looking for a good deal and they're buying a great company. But when things are going poorly, the other side, you get a bad investment team and they get a bad deal. It, it just seems like it, the dominoes are just stacked against you, right? Um, so chat's also mentioning IPOE. Yeah, there was a headline out this morning that they announced uh, that conversion, the ticker. They're going to transfer, I guess, from the NICE to the NASDAQ. doesn't really matter um, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, and they're going to uh, change the ticker. That'll go through on the 27th of May is, is the vote date. And then the conversion will happen uh well what what did they say chat uh june 1st they said june 1st it'll be trade on, on on the nasdaq so uh ipoe is the one that i like i've said that before i'm not long it yeah but... i mentioned you on the show yesterday spencer I, 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 I don't know if you saw it but you know i i know you've been talking about this one and the the bank charter mm-hmm. um you know being the big catalyst and they did acquire a california community bank not too long ago um that they were hoping was going to kind of push through um, you know, on getting that uh, charter. But I think that is a key catalyst here. The other catalyst I pointed out is their ownership in Galileo, which is kind of a Amazon web services behind the the scenes provider for some of these websites that I think could be undervalued here as well. So a couple catalysts coming, but, you know, I know you've been uh, kind of bullish on this one. So so what do you think with the the vote date? the the you know the new ticker not that it matters and then yeah. the mo- the yeah. momentum we're seeing now into the vote yeah i mean it's all it's all good to me it's all music to my ears right i, I just want it, to it, it's like a wait and see situation and this is just another thing another checkbox you can just check it off right uh and, and this isn't like the most complicated you know you know analysis in the world but like how many of these companies that are that are that are being that are merging via spac uh are in a position to like acquire the naming rights for a stadium, which is what SoFi has done, right? Uh, with uh, SoFi Stadium out in California. I mean, not many, right? These guys, these guys print money, okay? Print money enough that they, they thought, yeah, naming rights to a stadium. We'll drop a few uh, a few million dollars on that. No sweat for us, right? So yeah, uh, and they've they've really stepped up their marketing and their uh, their IR. They created a whole new Twitter account for their investor relations. Um, you know, the thing I saw yesterday that they shared was they were even featured on a TV show. Um, I believe it was Blackish 
they were on an episode of that where, you know, someone was trying to get a loan or something and SoFi was on the screen in the background. You know, so like you said, you know, the naming rights, they, they've got their name out there. Oh, yeah. And then they're also expanding, you know, their their products. Right. So they just launched like 10 new cryptos on their platform. They announced the other day. So, yep. you know, as you said, they're checking boxes to get this deal done. But they're also announcing, you know, lots of new news and keeping Perfect. their name, you know, out there. So I think strong brand awareness for them going forward. So, so again, not long, but will I will probably be long at some point. Just not not right now. Um, and then someone in the chat mentioned uh, when you were talking about BLDE, I just want to follow up on that. Uh, they, the question was, did ARK Invest buy? Yes, ARK Invest bought about 22,000 shares of BLDE in the ARKX fund. Uh, yesterday. Yep. And and ARC is invested in a couple of the EBTOL. So we have Blade and then uh, ACIC, um, which is bringing Archer Public, uh, RTP, Joby Aviation. So it, it looks like ARC kind of betting on the overall sector um, and not necessarily picking, you know, one winner yet. Um, but to me, that, that um, those announcements from Blade you know, and actually launching that vehicle, you know, in June, I think is a positive here. You know, Spencer, I know you were on the show when we interviewed um, Archer and it oh. sounded like they were a little ways away, right? From getting their their aircraft up into the sky, yep. you, you know, so you, do you think this is a first to market, you know, winner here? Or do you think, you know, eventually it's about cost or is this just a, a novelty or what? Honestly, it's probably a novelty. That, that, that's my honest take. Uh, that's my honest opinion. Uh, but we're, we're going to have uh, Will, Bun- Will Bunker on, on this show in a couple minutes here. And, uh, uh, and, and he's been an investor in emerging themes for, for 20 plus years. So uh, we'll get his take on, on things like that. Before we bring Will on, though, are there any other uh, SPACs on the watch list today? We mentioned IPOE. Uh, there are a couple movers, though, that I wanted to cover real fast. I don't know, Chris, if, if you had thoughts on, on uh, Nikola. We're moving <laughs> again today. Yeah, I, I always have thoughts on Nikola, and my thought is, why is this thing moving again? I don't know. I don't know. This thing, instead of going downhill, um, today it's being pushed uphill. I, I can't believe this thing is over $14. You, you know, why has this thing not fallen more? It, it fell below $10 once, I think, in the last uh, month or so. Um, to me, you know, they had some positive news out like a couple weeks ago about two hydrogen stations. Um, but it just, I, I don't understand it. Uh, I think I there's is- much better companies out there, um, to take a stab at rather than uh, Nicola at yeah. $14 here. That pun was sitcom laughter worthy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got a soundboard today. Okay. I'm not yeah. used to a soundboard. Yeah. How about uh, how about Ride? R-I-D-E looks like is rocketing up again today. Um, it was up yesterday, but look at that thing go now. So um, it, it's back over the $10 level, which it hasn't seen, you know, in a little while. But the, the news out yesterday, Spencer, I, I don't know if you saw it, but they're going to open up their factory in June for a week of events. So they're going to have investors, analysts, uh, customers, shareholders, Wait. Be, be able to tour their factory, be able to test drive the endurance pickup. Wait, um, wait, wait, wait. When are the when are the dates on this? Because this is not far from us. 
So this is Ohio. It's June 24th and 25th. And I, I told Mitch yesterday, I said, let's go. I said, let's go test drive this endurance. That's, so that's not, that's not far from, 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 that's a couple hours away from yeah. us, man. Let's go. Are you want to come? You want to come Spencer? I could, I could be talking to that for sure. Okay. For sure. I could be talking to that. We are going. Yeah, we are going. Okay. Uh, let's bring, <laughs> let, let, let's bring our guest on here now. Uh, Will Bunker, as we mentioned at the top of the show, White Jump Capital, um, been investing in emerging themes for uh, his entire most of his career, and uh, let's get, let's get into this conversation a little bit with uh, Will Bunker. Will, thanks for joining us today. Hi, good to be here. Welcome to the show, Will. Welcome to the show. And and just so you know, we don't always match. That's like a weird. <laughs> thing chris was going to change the shirt and i said no don't change your shirt just i feel left out man <laughs> we'll have to get you a shirt sometime well we'll get you a shirt not to worry not to worry chris uh well why don't you start and give us a little, little bit about your background and uh sort of how you kind of got started in this game uh old school i started out in 95 in dallas uh dave kenny and i built the world's largest dating company we actually took over the match brand and that's why matches in Dallas. We sold to Barry Diller and then have been just early stage investing for 20 years and then jumped on the SPAC train with some good friends of mine, uh, Bob Bennett out of Dallas and Eric Verplu out of uh, Silicon Valley. Perfect. So let's dive into to SPACs here. So, so my understanding is that you have helped several companies go public via the SPAC route. So, but before we get into some of those specific companies, let's talk the benefits of a SPAC over a traditional IPO. So, you know, when you're pitching, what are the benefits for the SPAC route here? Well, the big one, I mean, I don't know. Do you remember what Amazon's market cap was when they went public? I don't. $485 million. That was it. That in the '90s and the '80s, you could go public at a reasonable valuation, and then after the crash, you had to be 10 billion, 20 billion, 30 billion dollars to do it. And so there's 20 years of people who haven't been able to go public that prior to 2001 would have been a viable good public company, and the investors would have caught the upside. So, I mean, that, that's the main, I mean, if SPACs had been around in 99, we'd be having this conversation on my yacht instead of, uh, you know, my, my office. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so, you know, I, we've heard from several of the, the SPAC CEOs that we've interviewed, you know, they also talk about being able to do, um, you know, forward looking, uh, you know, statements and financials, you know, does that play a big part too in, you know, kind of being able to tell the, the longer term story versus the traditional IPO? Yeah, I mean, it, it does, because you're if you're going out at an earlier stage, you're looking mostly to the future. And, you know, again, the rules have changed over time, but it's gotten to where, you know, in 2000, there were 6,000 more public companies than there are today. So that, and they didn't go uh, bankrupt. They got consolidated. I mean, some of them went bankrupt, but they got consolidated, but there just haven't been as many going out. And so we're kind of in an era where there's a big backlog of companies that should be public. And part of that is telling the story of what, you know, where you're going. Perfect. So, you know, SPACs were very, very hot um, last year in the beginning of this year. We did kind of see, you know, that that fade now. Um, what are some things you think that could happen to kind of bring new life back into SPACs and really, you know, get the interest from retail investors, from, you know, day traders 
back into the SPAC market, you know, to get some uh, uh, boost on these deal announcements that we used to see? I think, you know, everyone, everything was going up. It reminded me of 1999 all over again. You know, you slap .com on your business name and all of a sudden you're worth billions of dollars. However, there are this time, you know, you've got companies that have proven business models that are just early in their trajectory. So now I think EV is a little different where you're betting on a lot of companies that may or may not get to full production. If you look at Tesla, it was a long slog, you know, slog from day one to getting a factory to getting that factory worked out. So I think you look at other kinds of businesses like SaaS models, uh, real companies that have, you know, tremendous revenue could be profitable if they turn the right dial. Uh, those are things that, you know, I, you know, for me as a sponsor, I want to end up with a portfolio or five or 10 companies that are growing 50% a year over the next 10 years. And I think that'll be the real value creation. Perfect. So, you know, we, we have heard a little bit from the, the SEC, um, you sure. know, starting to get involved with SPACs, oh, yeah. um, you, you know, and there's been a lot of rumors, talks, you know, what do you kind of think happens long term? Do you think we see major changes, some minor changes? And what could those be from the SEC for uh, SPACs? Well, it's really up to them, right? I mean, the question comes down to when do you want companies to go public? Do you want uh, retail investors to be able to participate in the upside? Or do you just want private equity and late stage venture capital to capture that upside? Now, the danger is, well, I mean, you guys were talking about, I mean, the company that had the fake video of the truck rolling downhill, right? So I think we've just got to get past the uh, get rich quick kind of mentality and look at it as, I mean, when I talk to founders, going public is not a get rich quick. It just means you're upping the ante and you're, you're signing up to try to 10x where you're at now and get liquidity along the way. But, you know, you, you don't get to sell all your shares the day after your IPO. I mean, it's just, it's just not if you want to do that, just sell your company. Right. Well, question. So we're just I want to understand where you think we are in the cycle right now. We're, mm -hmm. are, are, are we are we not past that yet? I think it well, depending on how it acts going forward, it feels like we've come back to more of a reality basis. Okay. which the three of us are more comfortable with. I mean, none of us, we all live through the 90s. We want to bring things out that are real businesses that have, you know, we're not looking for a binary zero one type company. We want something that even if everything goes wrong, is still a valuable business. And maybe it just takes an extra year to grow to where you thought it would be. Can, can you maybe give us like a timeline comparison as it relates to like the dot-com bubble like are we are we in 2001 are we we're, we're in april we're in april of 2000 where the april about 2000 the you're yeah. saying we just oh man all right i have not seen a market like this for 20 years i mean where it's it's fantasy time baby i mean it it is just really bringing back bad memories for me uh now you know, got a good business like Match.com. I mean, we were making tremendous money. We kept making tremendous money. Uh, have something that's, uh, you know, a prayer in the dark. You know, it, it, it's not going to end well for, for some people. So let, let's put the good and the bad of what you just said. April of 2000, uh, I guess the good news is is if, if, if that's correct, the next two years or plus is a good buying opportunity, right? Uh, if you can find the diamonds on the rough. Well, uh, 
a good company is just going to keep executing. I mean, when I talk to founders, I'm like, as long as you raise enough capital to execute your plan yeah. in the SPAC process, then you just run your business. I mean, our business actually did better during the crash because advertising got cheaper. Yep. So we were able to expand even faster after the crash because we had a profit engine hooked up to the company. So, so Will, with that said, you know, what are some things that investors should look for um, you know, with these new companies going public via SPAC, should we be looking, you know, at, at fundamentals, the financials, you know, and not focusing on some of these, you know, pipe dreams, as you said? I think it's about the execution of the core business idea. I mean, if you look back, I don't know if you remember everyone making fun of Bezos during the 90s. Oh, this is a stupid company. They're losing money. That guy executed better than anyone else almost in the history of companies. And so, again, if you look at, can this team execute this plan? And, and are we heading into a future that this company is an obvious thing that's going to exist? So, you know, you, you mentioned that there's, you know, not as many companies public now as there was then, but also kind of the warning that, you know, we could see, you know, some of these companies, you know, turn into pipe dreams. Where's kind of the, the line? Do we, you know, need to see, you know, how many SPACs a year, um, you know, potentially are, are traditional IPOs, uh, companies going public? Uh, you know, is there too many SPACs out there right now? I guess it's the biggest question. So if you take 6,000 missing companies and you said 600 companies went public via SPACs, that's 10 years. And that's saying no new, you know, companies got created. I mean, there have been more unicorns created in the beginning of this year than there are SPACs that have announced the merger. And so I don't think we're anywhere close to catching up on the backlog. The issue is, can we avoid the excesses that brings the SEC in to, to, to shut the party down? Perfect. Uh, any SPAC deals that, that you've been involved in that you want to um, talk about today? We're in the middle of, of doing, you know, our hunt. And so I have to just be, you know, understood, my, understood. My so, so what are some things, you know, as you look at these, these private companies, you, you know, you said execution, what are some of the big qualities um, that really stand out in the, in these private companies that you think, you know, should be publicly traded? What, what I'm looking for is a company that is only unprofitable simply because they're dumping all their money into growth. But the margins are there to support a profitable business the minute they either pull back on the growth or, you know, reach that, that number where their overhead's just covered uh, by the growth. I mean, that, for us, that was it. I mean, we, we had a marginal 20 cents on every visitor to the website. And it was just a matter of how many visitors could we get to cover our cost. And we dumped everything back into growing. And that's a winning formula. What you don't want is a company where every dollar of revenue you lose, you have negative marginal revenue on it. That's, that's not, that company shouldn't be going public. So, Will, maybe if you don't want to give specific names, maybe you can give us like a theme or two or three that you're watching. Like, are there specific themes you have oh, your yeah. So in, in our IPO, uh, you know, with our backgrounds, it's SaaS. We love SaaS. You know, we, I, I was a subscription business. All my founders have been in SaaS businesses. 
Uh, category creators, I mean, we, we do like those companies that, you know, this thing didn't exist and they've created a whole new industry around this type of software, or this kind of product. That, and, and fintech, I mean, but fintech fits those other two themes tremendously. Well, someone in the chat, we've got a question from Brad here, you know, so since you're talking, you know, profitability and financials, uh, what size gross margins are you looking for? So maybe, you know, as you play out the the financial projections of those companies, what do you see long-term gross margins for a attractive company going public here? Well, it depends on the sector, right? So for uh, SaaS, you know, you need 65 to 80% margins. I mean, each, each, kind of business, you know, has a healthy number that says, okay, this, you know, this is a team that's, that's in the right place being run the correct way. Awesome. So, you know, I, I know you won't give, you know, individual tickers for that you've been involved with, but, you know, as you, you kind of, you know, step aside and look at some of the SPACs that have already announced deals, anything stand out um, you know, SPACs that have announced or completed deals where you think, you know, hey, that's a company that should be public and, and can do well long term. I think many of the SaaS businesses that have been announced, um, these are companies that could have raised money either way. It's funny when I talk to founders, I feel like we're, we're at that. I don't know if you remember the fable of the fox and the grapes. And, you know, the fox can't get to the grapes and eventually goes, those grapes suck. I don't want them. And so I feel like uh, tech founders in particular have been trained to think being public's a bad word. And when in reality, they just couldn't go public. And so therefore, so I think it's a matter of uh, these SaaS companies could and should be public. And when they are, then they can start buying up their competitors with either uh, cheap financing or with stock and really roll things up. And if you look at what Barry Diller did with uh, IAC in terms of he bought Hotels.com, he bought Match.com, he bought Ticketmaster online, he bought, and then he created tremendous value. So if they can flip the switch in their head and, and access this really you know, great tool of being a public company, they'll be able to vastly outpace their competitors that only have private financing. We got a couple more questions here uh, from our chat. Uh, well, one is, are, are you, what markets are you looking at? Are you just looking at the U.S. or are you looking globally? We have looked at a few things globally, but it has to be uh, U.S. European centric with an emphasis on U.S. Um, I, you know, SPACs, I guess, used to be a dirty four letter word for Chinese companies to back into the U.S. market. Now, yeah. there are some great Chinese companies, but we're not looking there because that isn't our background or our specialty. Here's a good question from uh, Chris uh, Delacchio. What, what, what do you think about the amount of capital raised uh, by a SPAC? Is, is that indicative of success or failure? The more capital raised, the better, like a Bill Ackman versus like, I mean, they're all large, you know, in a vacuum. It, but It constrains the deal. So, for instance, if, you're, if you raised a billion dollars, yeah. you cannot merge with a $500 million company without basically diluting the hell out of the founder. Yeah. And so it, it basically shifts you into picking deals of a certain size. We picked a smaller spec because statistically, there are just a lot more targets at our size. And as a stock, you know, let's say you're buying the stock. Well, which do you think is easier, taking a $500 million company to $5 billion or taking a $5 billion company to $50 billion? 
which of those is statistically more likely to occur if the company keeps growing. So I feel like staying on the smaller end of the scale gives us better uh, range of targets to go after. But it does preclude us from doing the monster deal, but there are just not as many of them. Do, do you look around at, at, at other uh, specs um, at, and, and do you get the sense that people are overpaying? You know, it's really determined by the pipe investor. That's the money that comes in that knows the target. And so I feel like that's a great natural check so that I don't just go over with the founder and say, let's just make up a number that makes you really happy and let's yeah. go out. Um, no, we have to actually go to real investors and convince them to come in at that valuation. And so I feel like that's a really good check and balance in it. Here's a question from our normal host who had emergency root canal surgery this morning, but I guess he's back in the chat. Mitch Hotch, uh, Will, uh, are there any unicorns that you think are left? Oh, there's so many great right. companies out there. All right. Like, like, like who? Uh, okay. Just, you know, uh, I'm thinking of like crypto. Uh, who, so coin uh, base went out. But mm -hmm. there are, you know, numerous. I mean, I just go down the list of all these great crypto companies that are out there that are making tremendous amounts of money and they're not ready or they haven't found the right timing. But, uh, you know, there's at least five or six hundred unicorns, many of which the ones that I've looked at have tremendous business models like they. It's just a matter of the founder going, now's the time, or the management team going, we need to access this public market so that we can outpace our competitors. Perfect. I've got one one last question here. You know, you mentioned, you know, uh, a lot of companies, these private companies have, you know, seen their valuations rise. But then you also talked a little bit about, um, you know, the travel sector, which has me wondering, you know, due to the pandemic, are there some private companies out there, you know, that have seen valuations decline that could be attractive, you know, candidates to go public here as reopening plays, you know, via SPAC? I think so. I mean, you know, we looked at a couple of travel segments. I mean, I think you almost have to give them a pass for last year. I mean, no one puts on their spreadsheet global pandemic, uh, you know, two years from now. You know, what, what are we going to do for that? And, uh, you know, there's every sign with the amount of money that's been printed. The economy is going to roar back in a massive way. I mean, I, I, you know, everywhere I, you know, I, I'm on the board of a bank in southeast Arkansas. The county that we're in, the deposits are up 30 percent in the middle of nowhere. And this is just government money hitting the uh, the bank accounts of all the citizens of the county farmers business owners and so i feel like we're we're in for a hell of a year i mean it's, it's fixing us zoom up pretty fast all right and i i thought of one more question here you know and i don't know if you'll give specific uh you know names or tickers here but we did mention you know that that vehicle company that pushed their vehicle up a hill um you oh, mentioned you know downing. some of these downing. are down a hill they're going uphill now with their share price today um but you mentioned, you know, or Spencer asked about, you know, companies going public, you know, maybe where you question the valuation. When you see some of these other deals get done, what are some red flags, um, you know, that you see that would say, hey, this valuation is really high or they're not going to make it long term? Well, if 
if you can only value the company on 2025 projections and versus if I had to assign a value just to today, then I, I mean, even if the company's honest and they're going to try really hard, it's really in a different category of risk than everything else versus I've got a company that's worth four or 500 million today. And if they execute, it could be 5 billion. Um, it's almost a, you know, a zero one kind of binary outcome based on, uh, executing. And, and again, like the EV space, um, look at how hard it was for Tesla to execute and they've done a hell of a job, but I've talked to early investors and it really, uh, took a long time and was a huge amount of risk involved. And there's so many companies like them that didn't make it. Perfect. Well, I think that's going to wrap up all our questions here. You know, we, we loved getting this background information, you know, the behind the scenes of, of getting these SPAC deals done and, you know, hearing some great insight on, you know, what makes a, a private company, you know, attractive to go public via SPAC. So, uh, you know, guys, our guest today, Will Bunker from Light Jump Capital, you know, so thank you, Will, for taking time out of your busy schedule for joining us on the show. You know, we look forward to hearing more from you soon. Anytime. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Will. Can I tell you something that Will said? Uh, he says he's on the board of a local bank. Uh, low key, I've always thought it'd be really cool to be like like involved in like a local community bank. I, I'm, I don't know why I've always, I've thought that. It just seems like a really fun thing. You know, you're involved in the local chamber of commerce and, you know, providing capital to local businesses. I don't know. That's it. Maybe like part of it's to do with the, the pandemic and seeing the, the this destruction of local businesses. But I, I've always thought being involved in like a local community bank would be like a really fun thing. Nothing to do with SPACs, but Will mentioned it. And I thought I thought that was fun because I know that's great. That's yeah, great. I've always thought that was cool. we got a great question that uh, I don't think we can answer right now. But I'm going to try to get Brad an answer. Here is the question from Brad Moore. What is the average amount of stock that a traditional IPO will offer compared to a SPAC investment in terms of uh, you know, control of the company, right? So when like when you do a traditional IPO, how much, uh, what percent of, of, of the float uh, are you bringing public to the, are you, are you bringing to the market versus a SPAC? Um, I don't know the answer to that question, Brad. Uh, I, I have an idea of, of who might know. Uh, Renaissance Capital does some really good research on this. Um, I will try to find an answer for you because I don't know. That's a really good, specific question in terms of uh, bringing company to market and, and, and who controls uh, the who, who controls the shares. A lot of times, especially with, with tech companies in the last mm, decade plus, really, I, I guess, since Facebook, uh, they'll go public with, with a, a dual share class, right? So uh, like Mark Zuckerberg owned, has one class. You and I have a different share class. He's got all the voting rights. We've got nothing. Um, and so there's that also factor into this thing but uh great question from brad i thought i, I think you know that one just kind of varies you know depending yeah. on the company uh you know i just looked one up uh honest company uh jessica elba's company it looks like their shares outstanding and their s1 was around 75 million and i think their ipo was for 25 million shares so you're looking at about you know 33% of the company there so you know it just depends on, on the company some of them do these small floats now right which we've heard matt hammond talk about mm -hmm. um you know on pre market prep but really it's about yeah how much control do they want to keep of the business 
Um, and same with these SPACs, except the SPACs end up being the percentage is typically based on the financials, right? If you're a right. if you're a bill a billion dollar SPAC and you're doing a deal for a you know a five billion dollar company, shareholders are going to get you know twenty percent. That that's the math. So you know a little bit different with the control there. How you looked it up so fast, man? How'd you do that? You know, the power of Google and the control F search key, uh, you know, my, my, my friend right there. So I, I just knew from writing these IPO preview articles, Honest Co., I was like, that's a, an easy one. I know they just went public and that's what I found. So, you know, Brad, that's a great question, though. Yeah. And I wish I had a better answer, but that's the, the, the big picture answer is it really just varies. Um, you know, so I don't know what the average is, um, but... That that's what I've got for you. Yeah, and I would imagine like uh, if you if you can get like an idea of like a, a range, then the outliers are red flags, right? Like if you if if you see a company that's going public and they're selling like ninety percent of the company, you're 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 gonna want to be like, wait, 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 why are they selling ninety percent of the company to me right now? And on the other side, if they're selling one percent, you're like, what? What, what what am I getting here? I'm getting nothing. I, I get I get one percent. These guys own the rest of it. So the outliers are probably red flags. As long as they're in a they're in a, t- a typical range, if you can get a sense for what that range is. Again, I don't know, but uh, I would imagine that's how I would look at it at least. Um, guys, let's get to 100 likes today. Smash that like button. Let's yes, get smash the like. A great guest on the show, and we've got Spencer filling in today. You know, we we could have canceled the show right because we don't have Mitch here, but Spencer said, hey. I'll do the show, right? Yeah. So let's smash the like for Spencer filling in today. So yeah, and he yeah. even he even matched me today. I mean, what what better than that on a Tuesday here? I don't know. Uh, and, and Mitch is here, but but he can't talk. He said. He said he. <laughs> I, I guess his mouth. I would love to bring Mitch on right now, Mitch, if you can. But I think he. Uh, I, I think his mouth is like sewn shut or something, and he like can't. He can't physically open his mouth. Um, so. That's how much Mitch likes you guys. You guys watching <laughs> out there? Mitch is in the chat, with, you know, and he can't talk, but he wants to be part of the show today. So smash that like for Mitch too, joining us, you know, from the dentist office in the chat. Drop us a one if you want to see a stream later on today uh, of Mitch just high on painkillers, because I would love to see Mitch try to talk stocks or whatever he wants to talk about uh, on, on, on painkillers. That would, that would be fun, I think. Um, all right, 11.45. Chris, should we do some uh, some ticker time? Some yeah, time? let's do it. Let's do it. All right, let's take some questions from our chat, do some ticker time. We had a question at the top of the show from Hob Rawgrove on Twitter about GNPK. I'm going to bring on... The chart, Genesis Park acquisition. There is this chart. There we go. Um, he, I think, just wanted your take on it. Yeah, you know, this is one of my favorite space plays. They're bringing Redwire public, kind of the, the thing behind the thing for the space industry, right? It's not a flashy name, but they're partnered with, you know, SpaceX, Boeing, all these other companies, GPS, rockets, you know, they've been on every trip. Um, to the moon and to Mars, I believe, like they are involved in the space industry behind the scenes. So, you know, I I like it long term. Um, It's almost like a mini space ETF infrastructure play is what I've kind of called it, Spencer. So this is an interesting one. When you say they've been to the moon, you mean that literally not, not literally they, they they're not they're not a crypto coin that's just hoping they okay. have been to the actual moon. 
to the actual main. Okay, that, that that's good. Uh, good stuff. Good insights there. Let's see some more tickers in chat. Question from Sue about AGC. Let's get that guy up there. AGC. We, we we've talked to them. So AGC is Grab. Um, this is the the Southeast Asian. Haven't, haven't we uh, talked to them? I feel like I thought we talked to them. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. But I thought, I thought somebody had been zing ahead. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe, maybe. maybe. But you know, the, it's a it's an emerging market play. Um, you know, for the uh, what is it like the ride share and the, for the food delivery in, yeah. in Southeast Asia? I mean, it's a very large company. Uh, you know, with plenty of growth ahead. Um, this was a large SPAC deal. Um, it did trade, you know, if, if you look at that chart, it was positively received those first couple days, but now it has fallen down. Um, you know, I, I like emerging market plays. I mean, I, I've owned Jumia for a while. I, I like OZON. Um, you know, some of these markets, I think, have huge runways ahead of them. So, you know, I, I like AGC here at these levels. All right. Speaking of Jumia, let's go on a quick tangent. We'll, yeah. Speaking we'll, of Jumia, we will go back to ticker time in a second. But quick tangent. Uh, tomorrow is going to be the crossover event of the year. Uh, you, you probably thought like you know some like Marvel Star Wars thing was was the coolest crossover. No, you thought wrong. We're doing a pre market prep Spacs attack crossover tomorrow, nine a.m. Chris and me talking to the CEO of Jumia. JMIA tomorrow, 9 a.m. right here, youtube.com slash Benzinga. Chris, I'm hyped. Are you hyped? I'm I'm so excited. I, I've been pitching Jumia since like, I don't know, J- July or August of last year. Um, you know, I told Raz to buy it, he didn't buy it. I bought it and you know quite well in it. And I've interviewed, you know, Steve Weiss from CNBC. You've talked to Andrew Leff from Citron. Mm -hmm. We've gotten all these, you know, opinions and point of views on this company. But now we get to hear directly from the CEO. Super excited. And like Spencer said, you know, 9 a.m. tomorrow Eastern time. Uh, I think we're going to have a lot of viewers because a lot of people interested in this company and, you know, get to hear more from uh, Jumia. 9 a.m. tomorrow. Link is not up yet, but it'll be up later today. But all you got to know is youtube.com slash Benzinga uh, or on Benzinga's Twitter or on Benzinga's Twitch. Uh, the interview will be right there. 9 a.m. Eastern time. Chris and myself talking to the CEO of Jumia. Let's go back to the tickers in chat and let's talk about bah, 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 who did I just see? Uh, Kevin, Kevin Lee, IPOF. Yeah, IPOF, you know, there's the rumor out there, Equinox Holdings, which is, you know, the the indoor uh, gyms, the the yoga company, uh, Pure Cycle, the indoor, um, you know, uh, bicycle company, uh, possibly a Peloton at home competitor. This isn't the target that people that bought into a, a Chamas largest SPAC, I think, wanted to see, right? They, they wanted to see high growth. I mean, I just saw it tick below $10 there. This, this is one that I, I own and I, I got in and I was pretty disappointed. Again, that's just a rumor, though. It hasn't come out that that is the official um, deal announcement. But based on it being from Bloomberg, I have to think that, you know, that he gets it done. But, you know, I really thought Chamath, who's kind of fallen out of favor in SPACs, right, Spencer, that he would have landed maybe a more attractive, high growth name here than Equinox. Uh, I don't know if you if you caught that Bloomberg article on Chamath, did you? Last week, it was like Thursday or Friday. 
Did you catch that? Uh, they had a whole uh, a whole thing on uh, on Chamath and and how he's he's doing just fine. Don't worry about Chamath. He's doing just fine. I, I didn't see that article. I mean, I've I've seen ones before. He he's yeah. had some some good deals still, but yeah. you know, as far as uh, Spackland goes, uh, I think there's a lot of pressure on him right now. Um, you know, to get some good deals done, or otherwise, when he brings you know IPOG, IPOH, IPOI to market, yeah. I, I don't know if the interest is going to be there for those large offerings. All right, uh, Nate Millar is asking if you, for your thoughts on ASTS. This is now post merger, right? This is uh, Space Mobile, right? Yeah, so ASTS is the the five G from Space Company, right? So um, this one to me, I, I've always liked as a a, a long term, right? But but they're years away from revenue. They're years away from customers. So I'm not surprised to see this one drop below 10. I, I mean, you just heard from Will on here. You know, uh, we talk pipe dreams. The the question here is, you know, since they don't have revenue, they don't have customers. Is will this happen, or or is this a you know a pipe dream? Because ultimately, we haven't had 5G from space on a large scale. The the things I like is they are partnered with uh, Vodafone and AT and T, so they at least have you know some built in customer bases once they get that technology launch so long term yes right now uh, there's nothing there i who uh, who was it in in chat yeah john doe i'm with you I, I hear 5g in space i think science project that's 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 exactly what comes to mind um what else here we got a couple more minutes what about l o this is also from john doe uh l o k b i don't know this one LOKB is a uh, semiconductor one. Um, I forgot the name of the company now, but it was recently announced. So chips, right? We talked chip shortage um, for automotive. And this is one where you could start to see this one positively, um, you know, acted by the market because they have some chip technology. The, The question is how quickly can they, you know, get it to some of these sectors that really need these chips. But, you know, I, I've invested in a couple SPACs that have been involved in the semiconductor game, and that's an area that I think is attractive long-term here. Uh, we got just time for a couple more. And what about from John HSPRQ? So SPRQ um, is Sunlight Financial, Spartan Acquisition. We had Sunlight on the show. Um, this is an interesting one, right? Because they financed, um, you know, large solar projects. Uh, I, I've heard Mitch say it, you know, on, on Money Mitch, and I think also on pre-market prep, you know, solar stocks fell out of favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of people thought that with Biden in office, we were going to see solar stocks continue to rip. But a lot of it was kind of built into the pricing. So to me, you know, we've seen solar stocks fall. We need to see other solar peers start to rise before a company like this really becomes attractive. Maybe when they complete their merger and we start to get some analyst notes, um, you know, if, if there's analysts out with bullish calls on the solar sector, maybe this one gets tied in. But otherwise, I just don't see a ton there. Uh for people in the chat, like asking Chris about when we're going to see a, a rally in CCIV, I, I, I don't really know what to tell you. Um, Chris doesn't have a crystal ball. Um, he doesn't know when CCIV, if it'll ever get back there. Um, if you were chasing this thing, I, I think a lot of people learned 
learned a very valuable lesson. I, I, I hope uh, on CCIV, not not chasing these things when they run to ridiculous levels, up to 40, 50, 60, Not even on on the news, on the rumor of the news. Yeah, right? that was pre-deal announcement. Pre -deal. Those, those highs were pre-deal announcement. And, you know, Mitch and I preach this one on the show, take profits, take profits. I've been a long-term investor in CCIV, right? The day one that that rumor came out, I got shares for, you know, $11, $12 ish. And once it started rising before the deal announcement, I sold some in the 40s, sold yeah. some in the 50s. I still have a small position. That's exactly how you do it. Exactly. So I've always scaled out, right? Like I, I, I don't like to sell my whole position, you know, if it's running. I, I, I play with the house's money, right? You can take out your cost basis, get your money back. You know, the rest is profits. But with CCIV, you know, this was unprecedented how high it traded you know, pre-deal announcement. And to me, you know, Spencer, you talk about, you know, when is it going to rise? You know, let's face it, this, this is now a, a trading spec, right? They had news out today of what their new ticker was going to be and, and shares were up five or 6%, yeah. um, you know, just on that news. This thing trades now on, on news, mm -hmm. but the long-term story is until they get production and deliveries of that vehicle, I, I just see it trading kind of sideways here and, and it's just going to move on, you know, momentum, but otherwise, you know, I, I'm holding my shares, you know, for those deliveries because I think that's the major catalyst, but that's a ways away still. Yeah. I, and, and I, and I'm being sincere when I say that, that, that I hope, I, I hope people learned a relative, a relatively uh, like a painful lesson now, but early in their investing careers, uh, that, that they can apply down the road about about chasing about taking profits uh like like chris said he he was in he took out his cost basis right he made money he made money he took out his cost basis he sold on the way up uh and this thing i mean it got to silly town it got to almost 65 dollars this was insane right like even even in the spac mania this was insane, right? Like so, so uh, for those of you that that were in at at twenty or thirty or forty or fifty, sixty, whatever, um, you know, I, I'm sorry, but but now now you've learned a lesson about about you know we talk about all the time on pre market prep about cutting losers, cutting losers versus being this being the guy or the girl and saying no, I'm going to be the hero, I'm going to be the hero that holds Amazon through multiple like ninety percent corrections. If you can take that pain, then take the pain and don't cry about it. But yeah, I think the the two important lessons, you know, Spencer, you said cutting losers. And then, as I said, taking profits. If you combine yeah. those two things, I, I think you'll do very well in any type of market, right? Because those are two yeah. valuable lessons. Cutting a loser does not take does not make you a bad trader or a bad investor. We all have losers. Some people have a majority of losers. It's just that the winners are big and the losers are small. Right, it doesn't make you a bad trader or investor if you have a loser. I mean, so and I don't know. That's just Spencer. I've got a ticker for you, one that's moving here. So TTCF. Do you? Oh, yeah. Do you? So Mitch and I have had a hard time with this one. I, I've been I've been kind of bullish on it. Mitch has been bearish, and, and the biggest reason why we can't see the big picture is neither one of us eats plant based food. Um, do you eat, do you eat plant-based foods at all? Otherwise we're going to have to find an expert from Benzinga that can really tell us, Hey, cause tattooed chef has these new products out in target stores in, you know, Costco, um, you know, and, and I think they're selling well, but I just don't know 
you know, the, the big picture here. Cause I don't eat it myself. Wait, 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 when you say you don't eat, is that like a principle thing? Like I'm principle. You don't eat plant-based meat. I just, I've never, I don't know. I like, I like my meat. So right. I, you should try it. It's pretty good. I do want to try it sometime. That's the thing. I feel like I should try it. So I, I especially know. their products, right? Because it's not so much like a, a plant-based hamburger. It's like a, a meal, right? Plant-based meal. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of wanting like a veggie burger, but you know, Dude, I, not, I, it's not it. It's not it, man. Yeah. That's not it. Uh, I've never, look, I can't speak to you because I've never had their products. I've had Beyond Meat, never had tattooed chef. So I can't speak to their products. I, I'm sure they taste fine. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, so on our way to the Lord's, the uh, Lordstown Motors factory tour, we, we can stop at Target. We can get some tattooed chef meals and we can live stream that too, taste testing that. I mean, we could do a whole road trip I, uh, out I, of this. I don't if you if you're saying they're offered a target, I believe you. I I, I don't know, but it, it, but I haven't seen them in the store, but where I shop, so I, so maybe that's maybe that's part of the problem. But I, I I think this is a trend that's not going away. Like in the realm of like secular growth trends, plant based meat is one of the ones that is like here to stay for sure. I I think. Yeah. Um, does that mean tattooed chef is 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 a fifty dollar stock? No, right. Um. But I, I'll withhold judgment until I actually try the damn product, which I haven't even done yet. Beyond Meat tastes pretty good, uh, though that that stock is a whole is a whole a whole other problem. Um, but so so maybe oh, you asked me like, like what I think, and I didn't really tell you. I didn't really give you a a buy or sell. Um, I'm gonna say sell for now. Um, but there aren't that many players in the space, to my knowledge, and uh, uh, sell for now. But still on my list of like maybes down the road is what I'm going to say on, on Tattooed Chef. Yeah, that works. All right. Um, okay. It, oh, it's 12.01. Look at that. See, time flies when you're having fun. Are the guys at uh, Power Hour ready? I don't Probably even... not. They're, they're never ready on time. They're never ready on time. This is what we deal with. This is what we deal with. All right. They're either they're either ready on time and they cut in to tell us that they're live or they they never go live. That's what happens. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's happening. Like right AB now. came on the other day and was like, "Hey guys," and I was like, "Oh, guess they're ready." <laughs> uh, smash the like if you had some fun hanging out with us again. If if you're new, this show airs every Monday through Friday at eleven o'clock Eastern Time right here on YouTube.com/slash Benzinga TV. Smash that like button. Subscribe to Benzinga Pro, which Benzinga's real-time news and research platform. Go to pro.benzinga. Com. You get a free two-week trial. If you want more than that, you can enter the promo code YouTube20. That's the word YouTube with the number two zero. It's on the screen right there on the bottom. That'll get you 20% off any Benzinga Pro subscription. It's what Chris and I use for all of our research, quite frankly. Uh, so check that out if you haven't already. Um, what else did I miss on the housekeeping front? Did, did I get all of it? I think I got all of yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's it. I'll, I'll just say we have another expert coming on tomorrow um, from Morgan Creek Capital um, to talk SPACs, right? Uh, we've got Mark. So Mark excited Yusko. for that. Yeah, I know he's been on pre-market prep, right, Spencer? Mark Yusko is incredibly convincing. Um, he's been coming on the show on pre-market prep for years. And he came on pre-market prep, I want to say it was like it was during the first Bitcoin craze in 2017 or uh, maybe early 2018, maybe even after the bubble popped. I don't even remember. Um, and he was so bullish. He's been so bullish on Bitcoin the entire time. And he like damn near convinced the three of us on the spot, right? Like to, to buy Bitcoin right then and there. Um, this guy is very convincing. 
Uh, he's someone like, and maybe it's just me, but like, he's somebody where you're like, oh man, I would like definitely give him my money, like to manage. You know what I mean? Like, like he just sounds That's really, awesome. He just yeah. sounds like he knows what he's talking about. Um, it, it could that could be just me, but again, he the guy just sounds really smart. Um, managed a lot of money. Man, he ran the endowment at UNC. Uh, now runs a hedge fund. Um, super smart guy. Uh, whether you agree with him or not, um, I think he's 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 a good listen. He's a good interview, and and good to listen to. So that'll be on tomorrow's show. I will be watching that because Mark is 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 a great interview. So very excited for that. Yeah, we're excited. We've been trying to get him on, and we've had to reschedule a couple times. But we're we're excited. They they have a, a SPAC ETF too, I believe. Spencer um, Morgan Creek does. So we're going to hear more about his his ETF and what goes into that. But the other housekeeping thing you heard Spencer say it. Don't forget tomorrow after pre market prep. 9 a.m. Jumia, ticker J-M-I-A, Spencer and I interviewing the CEO. It's not a SPAC, guys, but this is a great emerging market company. The the Amazon of Africa, they've been called. You know, we, we get to hear more about the big picture of um, e-commerce in, in the entire continent of Africa. So super excited. All right. Uh, I'm being told that this power hour is going live right now. So uh, we're going to hop off. This video will redirect straight to that. You don't even have Smash to. Smash the like. Smash the like. Wait, wait, before we go, did we get to that that like goal? I, I don't think we even got to 100. Uh, oh, hold on a second. We're at 71. Come on, team. 71. Let's get to 100. I'm signing off right now. Do it for the teeth. Do it for the teeth. Oh, Mitch in the house. Smash the like for Mitch, guys. Surprise <laughs> I, guest appearance from Mitch. I thought, I thought his mouth was sewn shut. Barely <laughs> speaking here, but do it for the teeth. <laughs> I bet you can't feel half his face. All right, everyone. Power hour up now. Chris, thanks for being you, man. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We'll see you guys later. Power Bye, hour guys. Up right now.